0: So we are uh, in a series talking about God with us. We're talking about God being with us. And, and last week we looked at that Jesus' name, one of the names that the angels even say to call him, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. But I want you to think about today, there's that big idea that God is with us. Where do you feel like you need God Where do you feel like you need God to be with you? What's been hard in your life? What's been challenging in your life? What's been difficult in your life? Where do you feel like, man, I need God to be with me because we want God to show up. If God shows up in our life, things change. If God shows up in our lives, things are different. The, The beautiful promise that God is with us is a promise that we want to be true. We want it to be true that God is actually present, that God is actually in the middle of our lives and whatever is going on. We want that to be true, but where is he? I mean, we, I can put it up on a screen and it can look pretty, but, but where is he? We want God to be with us. Whatever's happening in your life, maybe it's financial difficulty, maybe it's relational difficulty, maybe it's just kind of you're trying to grow right now and in a season of life where things are, man, I really want to mature and grow, or it could be all sorts of different things. New children, new marriages, new city, and you go, man, I want God to be with me, but where is he? Where is God. See, for us, that is a beautiful truth and a beautiful promise and and can sometimes, man, be this beautiful encouragement. And at the same time, this can sound really pithy. It can sound really just, you know, Christiany and hey, God's with you. It can sound really just a, a throwaway statement. And we can understand this. We can get Emmanuel, God with us, of like, oh, this is, you know, we sing these songs. God became a a little child. He became away in a manger, and he became this little baby. God was with us. He showed up in the world. We get that when we talk about God with us. We, We can even understand this. That Jesus is with us in the sense that, yeah, God actually showed up to this earth. He became a human being and he was with people. He ate with them and he's a friend of sinners. And he, we, we can get God with us when we're thinking, yeah, a couple thousand years ago, he showed up to this world and he was there. And we can get God with us when we think about even the cross. You think about man, Jesus came to this world. He suffered. He died. And, and he was with us. He came to the world. But... It's been 2,000 years since that. So, this beautiful truth that the angel announces and says, God is with you. Look, he's a baby. God is with you. Look, he's, he's building community. God is with you. Look, he's dying for you. He's suffering for you. And now, 2,000 years go by. Where is God? God is with us is a beautiful truth that we want to believe, but how today is he present? how today is he caring for you? How today and all that you face is God with you? How do we keep that from just being this platitude, this kind of smiley quote that's out there? How can we experience today God with us? How can we have that today versus just a truth that we sing about or have nice little pictures of? How can we experience more of his presence and care for us today? And so to explore that, let's walk through a few of these questions together. The first is simply this, is how is God present with us? How is he? Because you don't see him. He's not next to you. He's not with you in the physical sense that you look next to you and there he is. How is God present with us? I mean, if we're facing troubles, if we're facing difficulty, if we're facing a desire for wisdom or wanting God involved in our life and we are living apart from Him, man, that's that's awful. Like if if it's true that God can be with us and we live life apart from Him, that's man, we don't want that to be the case. But if you think about it, in our lives, and you might not often feel God's not with me, that might not often be kind of something you say or even something you uh, mentally articulate, God's not with me, but a lot of the symptoms of that we feel. Like, are you anxious? I mean, if you knew and experienced God being with you, there wouldn't be any reason for anxiety. Are you ever feeling just burdened and weighed down? Probably because we think we're going through life alone and, and we've got to shoulder it. Are, are you ever feeling just the need to control everything around you? That's often because we, we feel like, man, it's just up to me and, and God's not actually with me. I mean, and here, here's the thing if you're a Christian, I think that we've become content with this. I think that we have become content with knowing a truth, God is with me, and yet in our real experience of life, kind of saying, yeah, but where? And I think we learn to live with that. We learn to live with disconnect between beautiful truth and between Monday morning. We learn to live with, God is with you, Emmanuel, and oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. We we learn to live with disconnects between beautiful reality and what our actual experience is. And and we just think that's the norm. And so we go through life, and you have probably developed muscles of disbelief and practice. We become content with this, or... If we don't become content with it, at least it just means we believe it in some vague sort of way. God's with me, and we don't exactly know what that means. We know it's true, but we don't exactly know how does that change anything? How does it make a difference? I know He's with me, but kind of maybe the way that you would say, I, I know that my great aunt is, you know, she's always watching down on us or something. It's you're not sure exactly. What it means. It's kind of what you say when you're just like, yeah, they'll always be with you. And, and you don't really know what it means or how it changes things. I think we become content living in that reality. So how? How is God present actually with us? I want to look at what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians. And at first glance, it might not look like something that speaks to God with us. It's not a classic Christmas text. But it's a text that shows us what happens after Jesus leaves this earth and still is with us. And so here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. Now there's different gifts, but the same Spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit, God. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. So he says the Holy Spirit is giving these different kinds of gifts. And often this is a passage used to talk about the the spiritual gifts as they are called. But I, I want to help us see what this means for God being with us. Because how is God present with us? Let's keep going. He says, one and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. For just as the body, the human body, is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to drink. Now, look at this. This is just back to to what he said at the beginning. How is God present with us? He uses this word, this phrase, and says that the spiritual gifts, all these different things that he was just talking about that are given for the common good and all this different stuff, all of this, he says, is a manifestation of the Spirit. That's not a word that we use that often, manifestation. That 's probably not a word in your normal vocabulary when I was thinking about this word I you know thought back to my i don 't know if it's middle school or high school or whenever they teach you kind of American history but in early American kind of history and the expansion they talked about manifest destiny and you guys remember that from from school and uh, and, and it's basically this idea that all, all the you know american wild people they're they're on the east and and they're looking to the west and they believe that our destiny is to move west our destiny is to keep expanding our destiny is to take over other people groups our destiny is to keep moving sorry that was a, a bit of a, a joke but also reality but they're they're saying it's our destiny to keep going that's our destiny And they said that they called it manifest destiny, meaning our destiny will appear. Our destiny will be seen. Our destiny will be visible. It will be manifest. Now, here's what this is saying a manifestation of the Spirit means an appearance, a visibility, a showing of God, God the Holy Spirit. So he is saying, you want to see God? You want God to be manifest? You want God to be visible? You want God to actually appear before you? This is how it happens. It happens in community. It happens through God's people being united together, serving each other, loving each other, using their gifts in various ways. These are manifestations or appearances or visible showings of God. God is seen. God is made clear to our eyes. God is with us manifestly, not today by a physical body, Jesus. God is manifest or appears or is visible today by the way that we function and live together as a community, serving, loving one another. This is so important because he's not just saying that these are gifts. See, when you, when, normally when this passage is taught on, it's thought about the various gifts, and what's my gift, and what's your gift, and all that, and all that's true, and all that's in there. But it's important to see these are not just, if this is a gift, it's not just that God gives a gift and says, here you go, and then walks away, it is actually that the Spirit is active in all these. That God is active in all these. So it's not like a gift that I would give you and then I walk away. I'm not active anymore. That gift is just there. If God has given you a gift, it is not just that he gave it to you and left because the Holy Spirit, God himself, is operating. He's active. He is doing something in you actively. So when someone encourages you, if they've got the spiritual gift of encouragement, if somebody encourages you, it's not just them encouraging you with the gift that God gave to them and then left. It is God active, God doing it. It is God appearing, manifesting before you. The way that God is with us today is not as a little baby. The way that God is with us today is not as in the human being Jesus in this earth. The way that God is seen, visible, manifest, active, actually doing things today is the Holy Spirit operating through his people to one another. That's the way that God is present with us and active with us today. What what he says is that we have all, if you're slave or free, if you're this race or that race, he says it doesn't matter. We have all drank of the same spirit. You see, to be a Christian is not just to be a follower of Jesus, meaning Jesus is there and I'm kind of going after him. To be a Christian is someone that has drank of the spirit. See, when you drink something, it becomes and changes you. It becomes a part of you. If you drink, if you need hydration and you drink water, and I don't know all the scientific way this works, but when you drink water, it gets into you. It changes your chemistry. It changes who you are. It affects you from the inside out. It's actively one, one kind of substance is act, combining with another substance and changing you. When you drink... Alcohol, the same thing happens, right? Obviously, if you drink too much of it, you see, wow, I drank this liquid and it became a part of me and now I'm doing things that I am ashamed of. There's some knowing laughter, right? (laughs) From your college years, not now, yeah, right? Or when you drink caffeine, you do things you are proud of, right? Your best work is done when it comes into you and changes you. He says we have drank of the same spirit. That is what it means to be a Christian, that we have drank of God. God is inside of us and now our substance is different and now God is manifest. He's shown through how we love and serve each other. How is God present with us today? Not a baby, not even the physical human Jesus, He is appearing. He is visible. He is seen. He is active, as we are loving and serving each other as a community. Here's what this means: God hasn't left you alone. If you look around and you go, "Man, I wish I wish God was present with me," I, man, I I want God to be present with me. And what I ha-. I mean, even if you just look at all the different gifts that He laid out, man, I want God's wisdom. I want God's knowledge. I I want God's help in my life. I want God's faith to actually believe that things are possible that that seem daunting, where I'm plagued with anxiety to actually believe in a way that is beyond me. I I want that. I want God's healing in my life. I I want God to be present with me. And what this says is he knows and you're not alone. He knows and he hasn't left you. He knows, and it wasn't that 2,000 years ago, everybody got blessed, man, beyond belief. And today, we're just left with pictures on Google. He says, no, I'm with you. I'm still active. I am still doing all that. I haven't left you alone. I am present, manifest with you. But what gets in the way of experiencing that? Because we want that, and yet we can still feel like, yeah, but I, I don't have it. And Paul gives us two things in the next part of this, two common lies that we actually believe. Reasons, but really lies that we believe that keep us from experiencing this. See, God wants you to have his manifest presence. He wants not, listen, and I, I'm, I'm uh, hear me when I'm saying this because I, I want you to understand, faith is not enough. And by that, I mean, belief in God is not enough. That's not all he wants for you. He wants you to have a experience of him. God doesn't want you just to believe in him as some deity that's up there. He wants you to have a manifestation, an experience of him. But some stuff can get in the way of that. Some stuff can block us from getting that. Paul gives us two things. Here's the next part of this. He says, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong, that's the first lie. foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason, just because they feel it and say it, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? See, the first thing that gets in the way of us experiencing this is a discontent or a belief in the lie. I don't belong. Do you see, even just before, I mean, I'll explain a little bit more, but if you believe I don't belong, see how quick that you actually move away and don't experience what God wants for you. God says, I am manifest here. I'm visible here. I'm active here. I'm with you here. And if we say, yeah, but I don't belong, then we miss out, not just on God's people, but on God's presence. We miss out, not just not just on people's gifts, but on God's activity in our life. See, the first thing that keeps us from experiencing this is a discontent in some way of not liking our place in the body, not liking who we are. And I don't mean not liking who you are as in a self-image kind of way, but not liking who you are from saying, man, I'm just an eye, I'm just a hand. I'm just a foot, I'm just an armpit, you know, whatever you are and go, I don't, I don't like this role that I've got. And then there is a self pity that often happens because Paul is, this is what self pity does, right? Self pity often says, I'm just a hand. I'm not a part of the body. And Paul says, just because you're saying that doesn't mean it's, doesn't mean it's true. This person's even talking to themselves, which is what we most of the time do in self pity. They're not talking to somebody else. They're talking to themselves and saying, I don't belong. I'm not nice, so I don't belong. And Paul is saying, just because you say that, just because you feel that, doesn't mean it's actually true. And if you believe that lie, you disconnect not just from people, but from God. See, the first lie that keeps us is feeling like we don't belong. An emotional, listen, an emotional discontent that clouds reality. A speaking to ourself that clouds what God is actually saying and doing and what is true. So I could give you a lot of examples of this, but sometimes this shows up in wanting a greater sense of prominence. So you're discontent with, man, I'm just a hand, but I wish I was this. I'm just, you know, I... If it's on Sundays, maybe it's like, man, I, I wish I was giving announcements, but I'm just setting up chairs. I, I don't I don't know if anyone's ever thought that, but I mean it just just you know, probably not. But it but it, but that idea of I want something better than my thing. I don't feel like I've got an important role to play. I, I don't belong. Or maybe it's not like a prominence or a jealousy kind of thing. It's more of a of a feeling of just man, I'm, I just feel like I'm a hand, but everybody else is, is different than me. Maybe you feel too young, or too old, or too married, or too single, or too many kids, or not enough kids, or, or I, I mean, whatever it is, you can just feel like, I, I don't belong. These people are like this, and I'm like this, and therefore that's bad. I need to join a bunch of hands where we can all be hands together. Paul says, you're part of of the body. Don't allow emotional discontent to cloud reality. And What that leads to is if the person says, I'm not a part of that, it leads to them disconnecting. Let me, let me just ask you, you don't have to raise your hand or say anything or you don't have to Venmo anything, but have, have you ever felt like, I don't belong? Have you ever felt like, I don't, I don't belong here. That's Paul's talking to you while speaking to you. That's the first lie, but the second lie is kind of the flip side of that. It's not so much kind of a self-pity and I don't belong, so I'm going to disconnect. It's actually a self-sufficiency. Here's what he says. As it is, there's many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So instead of I don't belong, it's I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. Just because a part of the body is weak doesn't mean it's not important. And Paul's going to use an analogy from the human body talking about our private parts, or however you want to say it. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. So just because something is like, this is kind of a part of the body that, you know, is. Is a little bit like we kind of need to cover this up with clothes, and, and it's a weaker part. It can get hurt really easily. It says we actually treat those with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts, so that's, you know, parents are always looking for, you know, like synonyms for their kids. of like, I don't know what to call that. Well, you can call it the unrespectable parts. <clears> or... <throat> <Our, our>, uh, <laughs> Our, our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect. So we're saying these are things that are not really supposed to be visible in public. These are th- but we're going to treat it with clothes, with respect. We're going to make sure. Here, I got some pictures. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we treat it with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Right? He's saying, it's just, you can't say, I don't need you just because something is weaker or maybe even considered not as prominent or not as respectable. You can't say, I don't need you. We need all the parts of the body. See, the first lie is I don't belong, but the second lie is I don't need you. I can handle, I can handle it on my own. Do you view faith as my personal relationship with Jesus? Do you view faith as, this is kind of my personal thing? Or sometimes people say this, and and we say this with not usually just in general, but maybe particular things. You might say it about your marriage, or you might say it about your money, or you might say it about your parenting. But a lot of times we say, this is a really private thing. This is between me and God. That is in effect saying, I don't need you. I don't need you. You see, you might believe the lie, I don't belong, but you might also, and I think this is a very prominent lie in the church. I don't need you. I've got God. I've got the Bible. I've got sermons online. I've got apps. I've got tools. I've got tricks. I, I've, I don't need you. Faith is a personal thing, a private thing. My, my money, my marriage, my, my time, my sin struggles, my suffering... Is a private thing. And we might think community, the church, is extra. It's extra. I kind of need it here and there, but it's extra. Paul says the person that says, I don't need you, does the same thing that the person that says, I don't belong does, which is disconnect. Because if I say, you're here, I don't belong, so I'm disconnecting. That's one way. But I can also say, I don't, I don't need you. I'm good living my hand life by myself. Man, I don't, pff, freaking ears? Who needs an ear? Eyes all the way, baby. Like, I mean, there's all, you can disconnect when you think I don't need you. Sometimes this goes all the way. Look, I know, I know many in our church at one point in their life left the church. Maybe this is even a first Sunday back for you. You gave it a shot. You said maybe church has changed in 10 years. They've stopped talking about money. I, I don't know, Okay. <laughs> It hasn't changed. It's been happening for thousands of years. But maybe that goes all the way that you have actually felt like, I don't need the church and disconnected. And man, God, God brought you here today to tell you, to remind you. That's one of the biggest things that doesn't just keep you from the church. It keeps you from him keeps you from God's presence, him being with you. You are kept from experiencing God's active, real, manifest presence when we say, I don't need you. Let me ask you this. How much do you feel you need the people around you? How much do you feel? Do you feel you need them as much as the hand needs the arm? You know, Whenever we don't have a part of our body active, we call that a disability. Probably some of you have experienced various disabilities. Or sometimes we even use these phrases in our life to talk about things not going well. We say, man, my my hands are tied. Which means if I had my hands, I could experience something greater, but right now I can't. My hands are tied. Or we might say, I feel like my legs got cut from underneath me. Like, we use phrases to talk about parts of the body going away to say things aren't going well. Sometimes we consciously choose that. God wants us to experience all of His presence, He wants us to experience it actively, manifestly. Do you feel like you need the people around you? Which of those do you identify with? Maybe you identify with, I don't belong. Maybe feel like I identify with I don't need you. Maybe some combo. Monday through Wednesday, it's this one. Thursday through Saturday, it's another one. But here's the truth. The truth is this phrase. God has arranged it. God arranged the body the way he wanted it. Each one of the parts just as he wanted. God arranged it. You see, it's not an accident that you are what you are. It's not an accident that you are who you are. God designed your gifting. God designed your experiences. God designed your culture, your background. He designed it because He wanted it in the body to do and be the various things that He wanted it to do and be. He brought, and listen, not in some abstract way. Paul is talking to a church in the city of Corinth. He's not talking to the big giant church out there. He's writing a letter to a church and saying God arranged you and you and you and you in this body to be a functioning body. That is the same thing here in our church. God knows what he is doing. Different parts, different gifts, different experiences, working together is good and not just good, intentional, designed by God to say, I need you in this body. I need you. You're a finger. You're gonna function very importantly. You're whatever you are. God says, I'm arranging it in this room. You might think I don't belong. You might think I don't need you. God says, no, I've brought you here. Listen, because you need these people. God said, I've arranged you here in this room because you need them. Sometimes we can think, oh, I need that thing over there or that thing. God says, no, you need these people. I arranged it. God says, these people need you. You belong. I arranged it. See, God is the arranger of the body. We we can sometimes buy into the lie that we don't belong, or that we're not needed, or that we don't need others. And we don't just leave people, we leave God's presence. We leave Him being with us. Listen, this, like this room, this might look like nothing. This might just look like some people sitting in chairs, a guy on a stage in an elementary school. God says, This is my body. This is where. You can experience me visible and active. God says, This is my body. This is me. I am here. What we can think is insignificant sometimes or just a Sunday event or something, God says, This is me. I'm here. And what happens when God's presence is felt like this? What happens when we move into that and lean into that? You know what he says? says God put the, the body, God put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, the weak matter, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individual members of it. See, what happens is this. God designs it so that there's unity that takes place. That God designs it so there's unity and a shared concern, a deep love. God designs it so that everyone is cared for, so that the same concern happens. Hearts are united, not just bodies united in seats. Hearts are united so that you really are able to say, there's suffering. That means I'm suffering. Man, they are rejoicing. I am rejoicing. That's a heart connection. That's a deep heart. See, God wants to create a community where there's unity, where people are so attached in practice, but in heart that everyone is actually cared for because we're not viewing it anymore as my thing, but we're viewing it as our thing. I'm connected to it. It's not just a place I go. It's not just something that I do. It's not just something for my enrichment. It's something that is our thing such that if somebody else is celebrating, I'm celebrating. If somebody else is suffering, I'm suffering. If somebody else is in need, I'm in need. Because it's our body. It's our thing, a community where hearts are united. We move from just saying, this is my church and my thing and my gifts So this is our church, our family, our body, our gifts, our time, our money, our concern, our joy, our suffering. This is what gets created, is a community where there's a unity of heart, where then God's love is felt because everyone's cared for everyone's, everyone, God designed it so that the same concern is felt. And then his presence is experienced. His presence is known. His presence is felt. And we know God's with us. Now, if this is true, if this is true, if this is how we feel God with us is not just as a baby or on the cross, but today, if this, if this, if the church is how we feel God with us, let me just tell you a couple things that that means. It means this. It means this really matters. It means it's not just kind of a Sunday event or a thing that you go to. It means this is where we show God to people and God shows people to us or through people God has shown to us. It means this really matters. It's how we experience God today, which if it really matters, it means that, man, we, we have to look at each other very seriously, that I have an opportunity to show you God, and I could actually show up on a Sunday today or community group or whatever and, and see God in you. It means it really matters. It means also that we need to fight the lies. That's what Paul's doing here. Like, If you feel any of those things, I don't belong or I don't need you or any sort of kind of subset of those. Paul wants you to fight against that, to fight against that with the truth. And instead of disconnecting, connect deeply, which might mean for some of you to become members. It might mean for some of you to just to plant roots and not kind of always have one foot out. It might mean for some of you to just give yourself to other people, to really not just view them as attenders, co-attenders with you, but really say, man, you're a part of me and I'm a part of you to give yourself to people. It means that we serve each other like the passage is talking about. It means we give because this matters. And it means we ask God to give us opportunity to, to let him be active through us so people can see him. See, my point with all this is to say this. If if we want to experience today God with us, God says, you know how I do that? You know how I become visible? It's through you. It's through you to one another. So that matters, which means we have to move from viewing church or community or whatever as just kind of an event or a thing or even something that we get something out of, to this is something that's ours something that I belong to, something that is, I'm showing God to people and they're showing God to me. Nothing could be more important. When we come and take communion, we remember that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, that God came to be with us to die for our sin so that we could have a part in his family and a part with him. But we also remember this, that his body, listen, his body was broken so that his body could be united. Jesus let his body be crushed and broken and disunited so that us as his body could come together and experience a deep unity. That's what we remember. This is why he says we do this together. It's his body dead for us, creates his body alive for us today through his spirit. And so when we come and take communion, I want you to remember that, to think about, the community that he's given to you, that his presence is with you today. We'll sing a few songs responding to our good God. You can take an opportunity at this time to give too. Whether you want to give in the basket, that's fine, but probably for most of us, it's easier on our phone to give and say, if this is his body, if this is where God is seen, I want want to be a part of that. I want more people to experience that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you love us, that you have given yourself to us. Thank you that you came to this earth to be with us, but you didn't just leave then. You're still here through your spirit and that we get to participate with you, that we we get to experience you today. We get to see you today. We get to experience your wisdom, your love, your encouragement, your faith. We get to It get everything from you that you want us to have through each other. So I thank you, God, that you are with us, not as an old truth, but as a today truth now. And let this go deeper into our hearts. Amen.